Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Twin Suns Transmission. I'm your host Eric Pfeiffer and I'm joined as always by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey guys. Welcome to episode 163 of Twin Suns Transmission and we're very excited because today we get to talk all about Star Wars The Clone Wars and... This is Clone Wars saved, you know? This is this is the exciting part of Clone Wars. We get to see how everything wraps into Episode 3. We get to see Dave Filoni's vision for how he wanted the show to end. And we have two more episodes that we're going to talk about on this episode, Jesse, which is very exciting. Yes, I'm so stoked to have Clone Wars back. It feels like old times, and it just gets me so stoked and excited it is my favorite Star Wars. Yeah, very nostalgic for sure. Before we do that, let's start talking about the news, though. And one of the biggest pieces of uh, you know news that we got over the last few weeks is that Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, stepped down suddenly. And this was kind of a surprise for a lot of people. I know that he had been talking about retiring for a little while now, and he had kind of said that, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. But then he kind of finished up Star Wars. He finished up Marvel, you know, uh, with Endgame and The Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, I think it was his plan to retire next year, 2021. But it was a, uh, a sudden announcement uh, within the last few weeks that he is stepping down and uh, Variety says that the uh, Bob Iger will step down from his perch atop the company and take the role of executive chairman effective immediately and Bob Chapik who was most recently chairman of Disney Parks experiences and products will succeed Iger as CEO so I think that's uh, kind of a shock to a lot of us I know he's been talking about it but I was not expecting it to be like bam right away he's done yeah I honestly I mean I don't know if I missed the mark or or forgot or what but I yeah. was totally shocked when you told me this last week um, yeah I was not expecting it not ready and I mean I don't think it has gonna really affect you know star wars's trajectory in any way to be honest i feel like that's all kathleen kennedy's right you know has the most to do with that um but yeah it was definitely a surprise to me yeah i think for me the biggest thing is is not necessarily how i feel that star wars is going to change because i don't think it really will but it's just gonna like we've seen him so many times like when you have the opening of Galaxy's Edge and he's there, you know, dedicating it or whatever. Or you have, you know, the Galaxy's Edge panel at Celebration or he's at D23 talking about all the new things that are coming up for Star Wars. And, you know, I think that's more of like where I 
you know, um, I kind of put him in that box, like with the conventions yeah. and things. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, with Kathleen Kennedy and everyone that we have at Lucasfilm, I don't think like Star Wars is really going to change all that much. So, yeah, I mean, so hats off to him, though, for, you know, getting Galaxy's Edge to put together and everything he's done for Star Wars, because, yeah, it's crazy. He's got the money and might as well enjoy life, you know? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Yeah. We had a big announcement in Lucasfilm Publishing. Um, We got the announcement that the new direction of Lucasfilm Publishing for books and comics and young readers and adult novels alike is called, it was called Project Luminous, and we now know that it is all going to be about the High Republic in the golden age of the Jedi Order. Um, We're so, so excited about this. Um, The very first book that's coming out is going to be Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, um, which is available for pre-order now is going to be coming out in August, I believe. Um, but we went into pretty good detail on this topic on our Twin Sons Outpost book club podcast. So we encourage you guys to head over there um, for more in-depth discussion about the High Republic. Yeah, and I'm very excited about this, like you said. And, uh, you know, this is something that we haven't gotten a ton of content on with recent Star Wars. So we obviously have the movies and we have the Clone Wars and, you know, the standalones and and some of the novels. But this one is going back to the earliest time of Star Wars uh, as far as current canon stuff that we have gotten. So I'm very excited to see the Jedi in their prime and, uh, you know, the Jedi during a time of peace. Like, what is that like for them, you know? Yeah. It's going to be cool. There's all these interlocking stories that have been, you know, announced um, with titles and beautiful images and concept art, and it just looks really cool. I can't wait to explore this era. So as Jesse said, we go into a lot more detail on this, and we'll have uh, Amanda's reaction as well to the announcement of the High Republic content on our latest edition of the TSO Book Club podcast, where we discuss A Crash of Fate. So uh, if you want more of our thoughts on the High Republic, definitely go check that out. Sadly, we lost another member of the Star Wars family. Max von Sydow died at the age of 90 today, March 9th, as we're recording this. And uh, if you don't know who he was, he was uh, Lor Santeca in The Force Awakens. He was a member of the Church of the Force and uh, a friend, a family friend of uh, the Skywalkers. And sadly, he gets taken out by Kylo Ren uh, in the uh, Jakku village at the beginning of The Force Awakens. Um, But he's also in Game of Thrones and a bunch of other films. Very well-known actor, um, and uh, it's sad to have him leave us today. This will begin to make things right. I've traveled too far and seen too much to ignore the despair in the galaxy. Without the Jedi, there can be no balance in the Force. Well, because of you, now we have a chance. The General's been after this for a long time. The General? To me, she's royalty. (laughs) 
let's start talking about some exciting things, and that is Star Wars The Clone Wars. And uh, as I said earlier, we're going to be talking about two episodes of Season 7. Episode 2, which is A Distant Echo, will kick us off here. So, Jesse, let's start talking about this episode. What do you think, just uh, first and foremost, before we start diving in? I was just kind of waiting on pins and needles with this whole echo thing and just Mm -hmm. the anticipation of knowing, you know, is he truly alive? If he is alive, is he the same? Um, But I thought this was a really exciting episode, getting to learn, getting to learn more about the Bad Batch and, um, and good things about echo. So I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to you know, kind of kick us off with our discussion here. So, uh, just a brief summary: they're still on the hunt for Echo, and that seems to be Rex's primary reason for doing this mission. But Anakin, you know, he reminds everyone that our primary mission is to find out how the Separatists have our intel. You know, um, and so let's let's start with this discussion real quick about Rex. Um, and you know, granted. A lot of times, and we get this throughout the Clone Wars a lot, um, even with Anakin and Obi-Wan talking about their clone, you know, counterparts, um, you know, Anakin, I remember saying, well, perhaps Cody's boring Rex with protocol and whatever, you know, and we get that throughout the Clone Wars, but um, we see here that, like, Rex is definitely taking on more of a, quote-unquote, Anakin viewpoint on the mission. Um, he's got his feelings involved. You know, he he has a friend that could potentially be alive. And so, to a certain extent, that clouds his judgment. So what, what were your thoughts on Rex's personal feelings and how he dealt with that uh, in this episode? Yeah, no, it, it was cool that he kind of took on that, that very Anakin trait. Um, I mean, I feel like Star Wars is a lot to do with like these these gut feelings that we've been hearing about lately um, that people, even non-Force users, have. Like Finn in The Rise of Skywalker mentions, mentions his gut feeling about just what it would mean to leave the First Order and, and the feeling that he should leave the First Order. Um, so I feel like we're getting more and more of, of that, like the Force working through the average midichlorian count um, person um, in different ways. So I kind of feel like for Rex, this was kind of like one of those like gut feelings where he just, he just knew in his heart that Echo was there. And, and yeah, he had the risk of it, of it, of it being his personal feelings clouding his judgment, but to, to have that weird gut feeling all of a sudden after, I mean, I don't know the exact, like how long it's been since the Citadel, but um, you know, just out of the blue, years later, to have this gut feeling. But Rex was almost, I mean, Rex was willing to, like, get into a physical altercation with, um, I believe it was Crosshair and then um, Wrecker over this, you know, because, I mean, granted, yeah. they were giving him a tough time about it, but... To be honest, as this episode was going on, I was like, please don't let this be how Rex ends up leaving, you know, because we know that he wasn't around or he didn't have his chip in during Order 66 and we don't see him in Episode 3. 
Um, you know, so I was like, please don't have this be where like Rex leaves us right away. But you know, at, through watching the trailers for the season, you know that he's around at later points in in the story. Um, but I was worried there for a second for him, you know, because he clearly he was using his emotions to fuel his actions, and it, I don't know, it seemed a little scary to me for a second. Yeah, and I mean, it could have been if he didn't have, you know, Anakin backing him up and, you know, this squad designated to go help him find Echo. I have a feeling that he, you know, might have just followed his own instincts on his own and tried to pursue that. But luckily he had a team behind him. Let's talk a little bit about one of my other favorite scenes in this episode, and that is... um, Anakin making time for Padme and Rex seems like Rex knows about it right I mean Rex knows exactly what Anakin is doing and he's helping his general and um, I think one that says a lot about Rex you know and how he feels about Anakin um, they're friends you know they are they will do whatever they can to help each other out yeah, I love that moment. And not only to get to see, like, Anakin and, and Padme together, that was really beautiful, but, like, the, but, like, that domino effect of seeing, you know, how it affected the Rex and Anakin relationship and the Anakin and Obi-Wan relationship, like, and, and Rex specifically, it, like, really warmed my heart because <laughs> even at first he's like, yeah, we don't have time for this right now, sir. Yeah. Like, <laughs> almost like he knew... You know, he definitely knew exactly what it was, in my opinion, and he was just like, ugh, like, we don't have time for love right now. We need to go get Echo. Um, but, yeah. but it was really, really cute. Yeah, because they, Anakin said, yeah, we have that thing we have to do. And Rex is like, no, we don't have time for that thing. Like, that thing, quote-unquote, that thing, seems to be something that happens at least relatively frequently, I mean, as we know from episode three, that Anakin and Padme haven't seen each other for a little while at this point. Um, but they must try to communicate at least somewhat regularly because that thing, um, Rex knows what that is, you know. So it must it must not be the first time that's happened, you know, on the Nexus. Yeah, and, and it also makes me feel like he must know, like, the level at which it's progressed like he must mm-hmm. know that like how important it is like it's not just like a fling it's not just like a you know war swept romance it's like you know they're married maybe he even i mean if he knows they're married padme's showing at this point so he knows she's pregnant with anakin's kid so so yeah well and- here's here's the question on that so in episode three, Padme and Anakin have a conversation, and Padme tells him that she's pregnant, and Anakin doesn't know about it. So, and a lot of people were like, well, how does he not know about it? She's clearly showing, and what's going on here? But to me, it seemed like she's showing, sure, but like not like a lot, you know, like barely. Like, I think it was more of a, a sign for the audience to watch it. To understand yeah. that she was pregnant and like she had her hand on her stomach and stuff like that I think it was more to show us how close we are getting to episode three and Anakin probably doesn't talk to her all that much and he's you know doesn't get a lot of time with her when he does get to talk to her and he's looking at her face and he's right up close to the hologram and like he's talking about Rex and like he's not focused on her stomach 
You know what I'm talking about? He's like a typical dude. It's <laughs> like not fully yeah. paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny. I totally had that whole timeline mixed up because seeing her and, you know, she's showing. So, yeah, but I agree with you. It probably was more for us than than it was for Anakin. But that's kind of funny when you think back on it. That he didn't notice. Yeah. Dang it, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> Panami wears weird stuff, too, so he might have just assumed he had, she had some weird outfit on. Yeah. And it's not like she had, like, a massive, like, it doesn't look like she has a watermelon in her stomach, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about Obi-Wan, because he clearly knew what Anakin was doing. You know, we, we get that side-eye from Anakin after Obi-Wan says, I assume you told Padme I said hello, or something like that. Um, and to be honest, like, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, like, I can't believe Obi-Wan just said that, <laughs> you know? I know. I feel like that's one of the first times that he just, like, out in the open was like, I know what you guys are doing. <laughs> but the thing I is, know about this. in season, I think it was season six, because he goes... Yeah, it was season six, because I'm pretty sure it was the Clovis, like, banking clan arc. Um, oh, yeah. Where he goes to Anakin's quarters and says, you know, I know that you have feelings. You know you know how, like, what happened with me and Satine. It's not that we can't have these feelings. It's not normal, but we just have to make a choice type thing. Right. And, you know, that was in the privacy of Anakin's quarters. And here it was in front of, like the Republic army, <laughs> you know? Right. So I, I think it was kind of like you brought Rex into this. You're kind of doing this low key out in the open. So I'm just going to say it. And <laughs> well, yeah, just acknowledge that it's a thing that you're doing and let's move on. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that he would openly come out and say that though, um, based off of what we've been given in episode three and, and all that. So pretty interesting for sure. I wonder if that's, again, like another, like you said, like Padme's, you know, baby bump is kind of more for us, mm -hmm. whereas this is kind of more like, hey, Obi-Wan knows, and here's a reminder that he kind of knows what's yeah, going on. Yeah, right. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, the purpose of this episode, and that is to rescue Echo. So... Um, obviously the Bad Batch, Anakin, and Rex, um, try to get Echo out of this situation that he's in, and at the end of this episode that we, we see him. He's in this stasis chamber, and he's all sorts of messed up. I mean, he's attached by wires and plugs, he's got mechanical limbs, um, his legs are all robotic, his, his one arm is like a, you know, it's almost like a astromech you know, utility arm. Yeah. Um, he's all sorts of messed up, and he, you know, he's talking about escaping the Citadel. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's going on. Um, so what was your first reactions upon seeing Echo again? My first reaction when he, like, leaned and, like, fell basically out, like, still connected and everything, I was like, he's dead. Like, that's it. Like, he's just being kept alive by this machine, they're using his brain. He's dead. But then that was, like, very clearly not the case very quickly after that. But I had that, like, gut-wrenching moment for a few seconds there. I was like, ugh, this is all for nothing. This sucks. But, but yeah, no, that was super scary. And he looked super creepy. And I kept, like, kind of waiting for him to, like, 
I don't know, glitch or something and like do something to alert, you know, the uh, techno union or something. I don't know. It was, he was, he looked super scary. Yeah. And it's, it was really sad to see him like that because I think I mentioned on the last episode that Echo was definitely my favorite clone from Domino Squad. And it was sad to see him explode when he died in episode three, quote unquote, died in, uh, sorry, not episode three, season three. Um, I felt really sad. Like it was a sad moment. Um, and now we get him back and you're like, yeah, Echo's alive. And you're like, wait, he's got all sorts of problems right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not to like get too, too dark, but like, I couldn't help but like think about like, weird war pictures you saw from like Nazi Germany and and, like weird experiments that they did on people where they had like all these things like connected to like people's like heads and stuff where they were doing all kinds of weird like science experiments on you know people at that time like this like reminded me of that and it was like dark to think about yeah poor echo but it seems like he's relatively normal you know, I mean, he clearly yeah. has some problems, but, you know, as we as we go on, he seems like he's relatively normal. But we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about the next episode. I wanted to dig into, like, why do you think the Bad Batch has such, like, negative feelings against, like, the Regs? Like, I get them feeling, you know, kind of superior because they kind of are in a lot of ways. But, like, to just be like egging on Rex about how like he would have left you know Echo for Dead too if it was him because he's just a reg like that was like whoa like that kind yeah. of felt like it came out of nowhere like there must be some like I don't know animosity like deep down but I don't know what it would be like why would they be so hostile yeah I mean the the only thing that I can think of is that like you said you know the the bad batch because they are different because they are they were almost mistakes essentially is what they were you know and these mistakes granted them heightened abilities to be able to do things that regular clones weren't and so they even talk about at the beginning of the episode i think it was this one who do you report to i know you've worked with cody before but who do you guys like report to and there was really no answer for that. Like they do their own thing, and they think they're better than everybody else. And you know, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know if there was something wrong in their in their growth tube or whatever it was. Um, but as we know, in episode two, you know, Lama Su says that the clones are are engineered to obey every order without question. And we obviously see some instances of clones that that defect or or rebel like slick um but i feel like with these bad batch there's just something genetically that's not right about how they were created that that makes them feel like they're better than everybody else yeah and i wonder too if like they were kind of like text like testing rex in a way to kind of like you Mm -hmm. know they haven't had a lot of contact with clones like regular clones um, so they don't work with them very often, and they're kind of isolated. So I wonder if they're, like, kind of testing him. Like, are you, like, this robotic, like, reg that, like you said, like, just follows orders and, like, has all these, you know, things programmed into them? You know, are you, like, more of a droid, or are you, 
you know, just a normal person. Like, I wonder if he was, like, trying to get that out of Rex. Yeah. Well, Rex is clearly able to adapt to working like they work. Because if you remember in the first episode, um, you know, they're basically all like, okay, let's stay stay back. Let's be a little bit more reserved. And then the Bad Batch go in, you know, guns a blazing. And then after they get their, you know, their disagreements in check, you know, um, I think it was um, Hunter. Hunter and Rex had a conversation. Hunter was like, so I, I'm guessing we're going to stay back here and just, you know, pick them off with pot shots. And Rex is like, no, let's take a page out of your book and let's, you know, go right at them. So I think Rex is willing to adapt and I think Rex is willing to work with them. But when they push him, and again, this is more of like a Rex emotion thing, he... When Rex knows what's right, he knows what's right, and I feel like he'll stand up to anyone with it. And he did that with Krell, and he's now doing that with the Bad Batch. And, you know, size matters not to Rex, so. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, though, after this next episode that we'll talk about, if the Bad Batch is over for the season. I hope not. I hope we get to see them again. I feel like they went you know, really out of their way to, like, really have us get to know them over these three episodes. Because I was kind of thinking about it and, like, watching them independently, especially on, like, Friday this week when I watched um, On the Wings of Caradex. I was like, huh. Like, this was just, like, my initial thought was, like, I could that have all been one episode, you know? And yeah. I don't think... I don't think it could have. Like, I think it, it probably reads much better this way. I mean, I'm not a writer or a storyteller, so I don't really think I get to say um, whether or not they could have been. But, like, the more I thought about it, I just kept asking myself that question, is if it, did this need to be three episodes? And I was like, it, it would make sense, especially if everything that's happening now, because I'm assuming this is the end of the arc. I don't know for sure. And mm -hmm. we're going to move on to different things now at, in this next episode. But, like, I feel like they went into this depth for a reason. Like, this whole Echo thing is definitely going to come back to haunt us, and I have more to say about that <laughs> in the next episode. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I feel like this Bad Batch is going to show up again. Like, I don't see why else they would, you know, like, really invest us and get us to learn their personalities as deep as they did without them, you know, meaning more in the future somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm doing a wink, wink to Hasbro. We want merchandise, Bad Batch yeah. merchandise, because those, I think that would sell pretty well. These um, are cool figures to have for sure. Definitely. A couple other things I want to talk about, and then we'll go on to the next episode. Um, I really like the Poltex, the, the locals on yeah. Speckle Miner. They were very interesting. It was cool to see how they communicated back and forth with tech. Um, with his little like translation visor, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Um, I love the way that they sound, and um, I love that they worship these winged creatures. Um, I also wanted to make a comparison because as I was preparing for the show, I was watching this episode again, um, A Distant Echo, and I noticed that Anakin jumps down and he gets taken away by a Poltex that's riding one of these winged creatures. And he drops his lightsaber and all of a sudden you see Rex pick it up. And Rex give it back to him later. And that reminded me of 
episode three where we see obi-wan on boga drop his lightsaber we see cody pick it up and cody give it to obi-wan later and i thought that was a cool kind of comparison to show the clones both do that yeah that is cute i like it yeah. I love how they wrap everything and parallel everything. Just makes everything so much more meaningful. Like that, that little moment is all of a sudden meaningful now because they mirrored it yeah. in this episode. I don't know. It's cool. And I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. I was like, oh crap, Anakin lost his lightsaber again. Obi-Wan's going to kill him. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking about when I was watching it for the first time. But then as you watch things over and over again, you kind of pick up on things like that. Any final thoughts on A Distant Echo? Um, nope, not so much for this one. Okay, let's move on then to episode three of season seven, which is On the Wings of Kiridex. Initial thoughts on this episode? Um, I guess a little bit of what I just mentioned, like I, I, I did a lot of thinking on, you know, whether or not this needed to be its own separate episode. Um, I kind of, I honestly did think after this last episode, like the way they just, they got Echo, he seemed to be okay after he told them he had a headache. And then the episode kind of ended from there. That to me was like his rescue. So like when I found myself back there during this episode, I was like surprised. I was like, oh, we're still here. Okay. And like I said earlier, the more I thought about it, the I didn't really have I don't really have an issue with it. I think it introduced us and gave us a lot more information on um, Echo's whole situation and you know how this could relate in the future. So I, I don't I don't feel that way so much anymore. But I was surprised initially to find ourselves still here. Yeah, I think honestly with Echo, that's the biggest takeaway from this final episode of the arc, uh, assuming it's a final episode. Um, is Echo going to be a liability now? You know, I mean, he had talked about having some of the separatist stuff in his brain, but he also has the Republic stuff in his brain. So do you think with everything that was hooked up to Echo's head and Echo's body and, you know, for however many years that the separatists had him or the techno union had him from the time of the Citadel season three to now season seven, that's four seasons you know, do you think that the separatists are going to be able still to use Echo to their advantage? Uh, I I do think so, especially for that little, you know, that that last thirty seconds is where it like really solidified for me when Rex is like, "Oh yeah, so like we're everything's gonna be." He's like, "Hopefully everything goes back just to like old times," and Echo like almost like. <laughs> like dead in the eyes still like yeah old times like it's like ugh. like just like the <laughs> i don't know something about yeah. the interaction and then the way echo walks towards the screen and and it kind of like zooms in on his eyes and then like the last part of him you see is like as he's walking you know towards you and past you basically and that image is like all the machinery still on his head yeah and i don't know something about that whole imagery and the way that, that little exchange went down and then a few minutes before um, Wat Tambor like goes out of his way to be like, we have to find a way to recoup from our investment, like cut, find a way to like benefit from these losses. I don't know. I'm going to be so sad if Echo has to die after everything that they went through to get him out of there. 
I know. Dave Filoni wrote this. <laughs> what does that mean? That means he's going to die and he's going to rip all our hearts out? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I think, I do think, I don't know if that means necessarily that he has to die, I hope. But I do think, I mean, Wrecker did do a pretty good job. They went out of their way to show Wrecker, like, blowing up you know, all the tech that was surrounding and connected to Echo. So that leaves you with like a little bit of hope that they lost a lot of their tech that had to do with connecting to Echo. Um, but I don't know. They're called the techno union. They're tech savvy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be able to figure out a way to like remotely access him or something. I don't know. I just hope they find a way to like rip all that stuff out of his head. And there's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, got does Echo, Echo still has his chip too? So like, I don't know if they're able to like access something. I don't know how the technology of all that is wired into his head. If it has extra things to do with you know the chip being in there, and if there could, if you know Palpatine can remotely, you know, execute Order sixty six, can they remotely? reaccess everything they put into his head too yeah i'm wondering if something didn't happen to echo's chip i mean his helmet was a smoking you know masterpiece yeah. so and we saw tup i mean i don't know how his chip malfunctioned um but clearly they're not perfect so maybe after everything that happened with echo his you know all the all the tubes and and mechanisms that are going from his brain you know, maybe maybe his chip is not functional anymore, so I don't know. Um, maybe, but if it's not, then why didn't he, like, pop up with Rex in Rebels? You know? Like, it makes me feel like he died. Yeah, he's probably going to die somehow, unfortunately. But I also think that due to the way that he looks and due to his current situation, I mean, Echo needs a sandwich, and, he does. And a know, few donuts. Yeah. And hamburgers. Yeah. yeah. He's he's very skeletal, um, you know, yeah. malnourished for sure. Um, and, you know, I guess that happens when you're in a stasis chamber. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, I, I don't know if it was Rex's blaster or whatever, but he was shooting some of those aerial droids down. I was like, wow, he has a blaster. He's shooting droids. He's still hitting them. Like, he... Yeah. He's an ARC trooper, you know? He, like, hopped on those, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but the Karadax, the flying mm-hmm. reptiles, and he was like, I've never been better. <laughs> like, all right, go, go, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool to see them escape that, and with the new battle droids, I don't know what those are called. I don't know, do we have names for those yet? I don't know about, like, the, like, wingity little creepy velociraptors i don't know if they have names but those big um giant virus looking droids Mm -hmm. those had a name and on starwars.com and they had do like the declassified clone wars declassified five highlights from each episode um they i'm gonna butcher this um give me a second (sighs) octa part patara Octuptara. Thank you. Yeah. 
I was never going to come up with that. Yeah. So the Octuptar droids are actually, they've been around for a little while. We see them in episode three on uh, Maegido with Kiati Mundi. Um, Man, when, I not remember those. Yeah, when uh, Order 66 was given. And we also see them in episode in the Clone Wars movie on Christophsis. When uh, we first see Anakin and, and uh, Rex in the clones, they're, they're taking down those droids. Uh, we see them a few other times on Christophsis uh, as the seasons go on. I think um, oh, a hidden enemy, I think, in season one, which is the slick episode um, with the clones. I think we see them there. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're around a little bit. It was kind of cool to see them back in this. And as we were watching, uh, the episode, uh, my friend Dan was like, Oh man, do they have toys of those? And I was like, I'm pretty sure, but like, they're pretty old. So I, I don't even own one, but, um, yeah, they're awesome. I did just find the name on starwars.com of the, um, the weird winged velociraptor droids. Um, they are called D-Wing Security Droids. D-Wing Security Droids. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah. cool. When they started flying, like when those wings came out and they started flying, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> they are almost like they were built to, you know, resemble the Kyridax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's. Like, maybe they were built as, like, a defense against the native people who have, like, mastered using those, I guess, maybe? Yeah. Were you worried at all, um, going back to Echo, were you worried that when they were going to take out his cerebral interface or whatever, when they disconnected that, if it was going to do anything to Echo? Yeah. Especially, like, Rex is just, like, ripping it out. Echo's, like, whole body is, like, jerking back, like, yeah. every time you sound was like okay we could have taken our time a little bit more here but but yeah. yeah that i was totally freaked out that that was gonna like unplug him and he was just gonna die yeah but just gave him a headache i was so excited when we finally saw echo back because you know up until recently i thought echo was gone you know i was so excited to get him back and now we get him back and he's not in good shape and I really hope that we can get him back to a position where he's able to help the Republic and and fulfill his duty, you know, because even yeah. he was like, oh, we've got to get back to the, the shuttle on the Citadel or something, you know, and when he yeah. sees Rex, he's like, oh, you came back for me. Like, he still thinks he's on the Citadel. Like, he's doesn't know where he is and it's sad. It's a really sad thing and I really hope that Echo has... An ending that is, you know, worth everything that he's given us. Yeah, he's really been put through probably one of the, the worst, like, forms of torture that we've seen, I feel like, in Star Wars. Yeah. And, I don't know, that, that little moment with him and Anakin where he's like, you're still showing off, General? And Anakin's like, you know me, Echo. Like, I was just yeah. like, oh, Echo's back. Yep. I just yeah. I, I agree. I hope I hope it's all worth everything that he's gone through. Whatever yeah. he's able to help them with. I don't know. I had yeah. that uh that quote in my notes as well. I love that. Yeah. It warmed um, my heart. 
So obviously we get a couple uh, of the separatist commanders and officers and things like that. Admiral Trench we got in this arc. Um, but Wat Tambor is another one that we got. And it seems like to me, like I'm surprised Dooku hasn't killed him yet. Because everything that we seem to have gotten with Wat Tambor, like even in season one with the Ryloth episodes, you know, and all the Twilight prisoners on Ryloth and, you know, Wat Tambor is like, no, we're fine. And the droid's like, no, we should probably leave. And, you know, Wat Tambor is like, no, it's, it's okay. You know, and <laughs> like, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for him. And now he's essentially responsible for losing Echo. So like, I can't believe this guy's still around, but. Yeah, no, he's. He's definitely, I, that's also too what I love about the Clone Wars is I feel like you see this, these people, you know, in the background of all these movies, like this species and, and everything. And like, now I know his name is Wat Tambor. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I really had that name solidified in my brain yet until this arc of episodes. That's, that's the most of what I, I was thinking about every time Wat Tambor came on. I was like, this is why I love the Clone Wars. I yeah. learn all these cool character names that I would have not otherwise ever known, even though they were shown yeah. in the movie. Well, you know, we've been doing, like, daily trivia. I've been sending you a, a trivia question every day, and I'm, like, super impressed with how many of these questions that you're getting, you know? Like, you've I'm come a long too. way. <laughs> yeah. I know, and I swear I've not Googled a single one. All. <laughs> <laughs> I No, yeah. Well, I, I hope I you're not cheating. Like, I'm not cheating. I swear by the force. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I've i been having a lot of fun. I love these little trivias and I've been trying really hard to rack my brain for really difficult ones for you because I know tr you're like the Star Wars trivia master. But, but yeah, it's been fun. Definitely been a lot of fun. Any final thoughts on episode three on the wings of Kiridax from the Clone Wars? Um, I, I really enjoyed this arc. I really enjoyed um, getting to know the Bad Batch. I think they're really fun. Some of the most effective, you know, clone work, teamwork. They're super, they're super clones. It's super cool. Um, so I thought that has been really great. And getting Echo back um, is really heartwarming un until it won't be later. Um, but, but no, I, I think it was a good start, a good way to ease us back into... Uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah, agreed. I, I love the arc. I love seeing the Bad Batch, the, the super clones. Um, I think my biggest takeaways are what is the future for Echo? Is Echo going to be a liability? Is this something that's going to compromise Rex and his ability to be a soldier? Um, how is that all going to you know play out? I think it was interesting to find out how much actually Rex knows about Anakin's life with Padme, and same thing with Obi-Wan. I think those were the biggest takeaways for me. Um, of course, obviously, knowing that Rex is, or uh, Echo's alive was a huge takeaway, and that's important, but um, yeah, I think those are the biggest takeaways, and uh, we'll see how all that stuff plays out. Before we go, someone posted on Twitter... Um, some, it was a question, let me, let me find it here real quick. Okay, so it was, the Jedi believe that when they die, they become one with the Force, but what about the clones? 
They rush towards death every day and they do it bravely. Surely they believe in and are holding on to something. So I have my own thoughts on this, but what do you think, Jesse? I think that, I mean, in this time period, you know, I'm the force is definitely more prevalent, more out there, more open into, you know, people's faces, especially in this area of the galaxy. Um, so I feel like the force is probably an aspect. It's probably something that is there. I don't think they really view it the same way the Jedi do. I don't think, like, we've never heard a clone, you know, say really, I don't know, have we heard any of them say, may the force be with you? I can't, like... I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't, yeah, I don't think we've ever heard any of them say that. I feel like that is something that, um, if you believe it, that's just a common thing you would say, especially in the life and death situations they put themselves in all the time. I think a lot of what they, like, believe in, like, believe in and what keeps them going um, is, like, their brotherhood. I think that, like, doing right by their brothers and doing right by their generals and that, like, sense of, like, family and dedication, like, their whole existence is because of this war. And I think the only way you get through that without feeling like an, like a disposable object, um, which a few of them have felt like in the past, um, I think the only way you get through that is by finding meaning in your brothers and, and, and really dedicating yourself and believing just in the cause and that you're doing something good and for the galaxy and to make everything, you know, a, a better place. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that for the clones, it's all about the brotherhood. It's all about believing in the cause, believing in the purpose of your creation and these clones like it or not were created for war they were created to be soldiers and they were created to be loyal and they were created to obey orders without question that's literally what the Kaminoans say is the reason for their purpose and this clone army is paid for they are technically republic property but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of what a clone is they're a person they're they are people and, you know, a lot of what Padme fights for in the Senate regarding the clones is the clones' lives. Because that's the difference between the droid army and the clone army. Machines running around battlefields. The clones are people. And they have feelings. And they, you know, feel pain. And they, they don't deserve to be bred just for battle. And so I think for the clones to... What do they believe in? I think they, like you said, they, they believe in brotherhood. They believe in the cause. They believe in the Republic. They believe in their Jedi generals for the most part. Um, now, granted, we see a couple of them like Slick. He obviously defects and, you know, he's paid off by Ventress and, and whatever. Um, but um, even Dogma. Dogma in the Umbaran arc gets fooled by Krell and believes Krell over his brothers and occasionally it happens um you know even some of even some of uh, the clones don't believe fives you know um but i think when you get right down to it and i think all the clones are loyal to each other i think all the clones believe in each other and i i, I really do feel like they know what their their purpose is 
you know um they you know when we when we have uh i think it was i think it was fives in season six of clone wars he says you know that the dream that we always have you know i constantly see it you know the one i'm talking about and they show all the clones kind of like looking at him and you know i think they're all connected all the clones somehow have this connection with each other and um you know i think if if they stick together and and you know believe in each other that's all that they need yeah i agree so anyway thanks for asking our opinions on the question that was a fun one to answer and hopefully we can get more questions like that uh but before we go jesse where can people find us on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram all under the handle at twin sons outpost all right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars Podcast app through the Google Play Store and on iTunes. And if you enjoyed this episode and you think we're pretty wizard, go ahead and give us a good review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening to episode 163 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll be back before the end of the month. And as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you, always. Hailmaster Tatooine. It's controlled by the hut. Point on how to win. This time, you are not a to me.